Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey everyone, this is Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the Nerdist Writers Panel. I myself am a television writer, having written for such shows as Supernatural, Nickelodeon, Super Ninjas, and I'm currently working for the DreamWorks program Puss in Boots, which is available right now via Netflix. Uh, check it out. It's pretty fun. I am also the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, a stage show in the style of old-time radio uh, that is available as a podcast here on the Nerdist Network. For information about the Thrilling Adventure Hour, go to thrillingadventurehour.com. Hey, wait a minute. Who's this guy? It's me, Todd Cooper, your favorite or least favorite curtain man for the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Hey, do you like the Thrilling Adventure Hour? Do you even love the Thrilling Adventure Hour? Well, if you do, and that's why you're listening to it probably, guess what you're going to really like? The Thrilling Adventure Hour in comic book form. Yeah, the number one old-time radio show and new-time podcast is for the first time ever a contemporary monthly comic book. The Thrilling Adventure Hour, Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars comic book is available at a virtual or actual, like, brick-and-mortar comic book store near you as of February 18th, 2015. It's written by Acker and Blacker, the ones who write the show that you like. It's the perfect complement to this podcast, the one I just mentioned again. The comic story, The Sad Sad Song of Widow Johnson, is an all-new, never-been-podcast tale that fits right within the continuity of Sparks Nevada Marshall on Mars. Where in the continuity? Well, read it and find out. Yeah, it's your job. Thrilling Adventure Hour comics. Our jump into the next medium is brought to you by Work Juice. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel and it's hosted by Ben Blacker where he gets a bunch of writers and he asks them lots of questions and it's starting now so this will be the end of the theme. Uh, let's do it. This yeah. is how we start. Fantastic. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself so people know what you sound like when they hear you talking um, and, and let me start by saying I'm thrilled to have you guys here. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, my name is uh, Matt Thompson. Uh, I'm the executive producer of Archer. And I'm Casey Willis. I'm the co-executive producer on Archer. Very good. Thank you, guys. Um, I'm so... Uh, listen, there is no show that has demanded more that I talk to people who work on it than Archer. Uh, so yeah. thank you for being here. The listeners, thank you for oh, being we're here. We're excited to be here. Yeah, um, tell them everything. Everything. That's how we'll start. No, you guys are here for, what are you on, season six? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. That can't be right. It is. We're premiering. Is we're, it really? we're in premieres right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursdays at 10, FX. Uh, it's our sixth season. And they've wow, already signed us for a seventh. That's great. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, my goal is I want to I see the show get to 10. That'd be good. <laughs> Then, then I'm done. That's a healthy number. <laughs> healthy number. You, you may be out of stories by then. Although yes. it feels like, I don't know, it's it's a show that is ambitious. Mm-hmm. You know, like you guys don't seem to edit yourselves very much. Is that the case? I, I think it is an ambitious show because um, you get into this. So this is our third or fourth television show we've all done together. Mm-hmm. Like Casey's been with me and Adam for, what, 12 years or yeah, so. Yeah. And I think this is our fourth show. And what we kind of came to understand is, like, shows get canceled. They stick around. They don't stick around. So you better do it the way you want it done and mm-hmm. don't care, you know, when somebody takes it away from you. And that had a lot to do with our thinking about why we did what we did last season about mm-hmm. all of a sudden saying, fuck it, we deal cocaine now. <laughs> it's because we just did it because we wanted to do it. And you can't worry about... Um, people saying this is what you should do there's an old line that I always say from um, Kids in the Hall movie uh, Brain Brain Candy Candy. Mm -hmm. and there's a line where where he's talking and he's like this is a pill that gives worms to (laughs) ex-girlfriends and I say that all the time because it's like about being so stuck in your ways that you can't change or do things and I think a lot of times people will want that television show or that product to always be that product. Mm-hmm. And I'm not interested in playing that game. Sure. And but, to FX's yeah. credit, That's they were cool. like super excited about it. That's so great. Adam was like, hey, I have this idea. Let's not spy for a season. Let's sell cocaine. And they're like, great. <laughs> go for it. So they're, they're willing to take yeah. risks as well, which was, is really cool. Was it always talked about as being a one-season It was. Mm-hmm. It was designed that way. Yeah. We... Uh, Adam actually had this idea where, you know, they're going to deal cocaine for the season. He knew how he wanted the season to end before, and how it started, and then he kind of made up the middle. 
And the plan was always, once we're done dealing cocaine, everybody's going to go to prison. <laughs> and we were going to do season six awesome. in prison. I think we did a picture for... Entertainment Weekly of like you know some just some prison jokes, yeah. Um, but we decided that that was not sustainable because uh, the show works best when for some reason all the characters are together, mm-hmm. be it like they stow away on a blimp or go you know down to Sea Lab or whatever. It works best when they're all together, and you couldn't logically have them all together in prison. Mm-hmm. It also didn't help that while we were making season five and we had the season six of Prison Archer ready, mm-hmm. Orange is the New Black yeah. hit, and we're like, oh, <laughs> damn. they're doing a prison comedy and that's really good. And speaking of, that wins a, a ton of awards and I love it, but what is it doing in the comedy category? Yeah, it's... I love that show. Do I have to explain this to you? Do I have to break this down for you? Please do. (laughs) They put it where it has the best chance of winning. Yes, yeah. Because it's just about making money. Yes. It is a fantastic show, though. It really is. Uh, It's great, and they deserve lots of awards. But yes, I agree. It's a uh, dramedy at best. Yes. Um, I think our show sometimes has moments where it's not a comedy. You know, I think the single best moment... Uh, that our show has ever done was the final act of the final episode of last season when when um, the first time they showed me the storyboard cut for that scene where Lana says, this is your baby, Archer, I got tears in my eyes a little bit, you know? It was, it was not, and I know I'm kind of saying like, Pat myself on the back here, no. but it was like, we did a great job with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, really liked it, and I felt like all that time that I've spent with these characters and seeing that moment, quiet, small, mm-hmm. impactful, I think it was our best moment. It was really good. It feels like it's, it, it's, it could be a show where it's hard to get that kind of human emotion or mm-hmm. that human moment in it. How do, you guys, how do you guys find that? How do you work it in? Is it a conversation that happens among the, the writers? Well, the writer is my partner, Adam. Mm-hmm. He writes 99% yeah, really. of everything that's in the show. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'll see he'll team up with somebody else, but mm-hmm. it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And so it's just how he hears these people in his head and what, it's, you know, they, what they've all come to be. I think that they've all changed to some degree from their inception. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the the cast of characters from season one to what they're doing now in season six, I think, has changed greatly. I mean, look at Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a great character. and She has been through, she's a completely different person now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just about the realism of it, which makes him, which makes it interesting. You know, we never, uh, we have an internal joke, Adam and I, do, which is like, I can't make the talking jar of salsa show. <laughs> and what that means is I wrote a script for, yeah. for off of Frisky Dingo or something mm-hmm. like that? No, it was for Frisky for Dingo. Frisky Dingo. I wrote an episode of, Fr- of Frisky Dingo, and he... He just became beside himself, and we had like a, a you know meeting by ourselves like a Saturday afternoon, and he's just like a really heavy heart, and is and is like he's just just apoplectic. He's like, I cannot make a show. Where there's a talking jar of salsa. So like, the, so the joke was like, I, it was like a, a little guy in a sombrero on the side, and I don't know what I he think, said. I think, yeah, and I think Killface was hallucinating or yeah, something because yeah. he ate bad he salsa. He ate bad salsa, and then it was an innocuous joke. Yeah, sure. it, it was fine. It yeah. wasn't great. It, it wasn't terrible. But it's in the voice of the but, show. It's I mean, right. It and so like. his to his point, what he was going towards, where his writing path was taking him, mm-hmm. was into a realistic realm. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a show called C-Lab, and we made a show called Frisky Dingo, where some very, very improbable things mm-hmm. happened. And to the most part, Archer is a show where, I could see that, except for the fucking cyborg shit that we're doing. <laughs> Besides yeah. that, I mean, it's all generally feasible. And that going back to the original question, which is the characters, because they're all real, mm-hmm. you know? And I think he... he I feel like Adam knows these people so well now, and he wants to keep them real. Mm-hmm. I think, too, that the, the actors... And not have a talking to ourselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think the actors, too, uh, their performances help add that sure. emotion. So they'll be at help one note it, for a yeah. while and then be able to change. And I think it's due to the fact that we don't use traditional cartoon VO actors. Mm-hmm. They we're using 
a lot more stage and television actors, and oh, I think sure. that really helps yeah. add that uh, that level. And our animators too have really improved and able yeah. to look at the way things expressions. look now as yeah. opposed to where it looked in season one. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, and especially this new season now, season six, we've. Uh, Done a lot more. Stu- this is technical stuff, but no, get into it. Adding some uh, harmony animation into the show. So there's these some fight scenes that are incredible. They're very fluid now. And yeah, well choreographed. Right. And I think p- people on the internet have already the internet. Those people. <laughs> yeah, those three people on the internet <laughs> have noticed it. The, the, yeah. the fluidness of the fights. And um, is where you've seen it a lot of it. Uh, there's an episode that's on this Thursday where I think I've seen it in the promos, they're showing this avalanche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And that was mostly yeah. our 3D department 3D. and compositing department. Mm-hmm. And, stuff like and that. that's something that we'd never have... I mean, each season of the show has gotten better and better looking. You know, I can't speak to the fact that some people say, this season was good, this season was bad, this season was this, this season was I, I, Whatever. Up for debate. But from an aesthetic. What's not up for debate is the show has gotten... Leaps and bounds, better looking each season, mm-hmm. yeah. and this season is no different. It's well, it's better. Was that was that a goal? I mean, like the show. It's all a function of money. Like it works absolutely mm-hmm. with the animation that you had, and I think no one would have said this looks terrible. Mm-hmm. But like, what what are you gaining by improving the animation from from a storytelling point of view? I guess I think it's a great question from the standpoint of these are conversations that I have with FX sure. all the time. Um, does spending, it, just as a theory, does spending more money on your cartoon improve it or improve the viewership you get? Mm-hmm. You take a look at Adult Swim, where we come from originally, mm-hmm. or even uh, what uh, Fox tried to do with ADHD stuff. Mm-hmm. It's stuff that they don't spend a lot of money on the animation. And yet, it does well, so I don't know what the right answer is. Do can you can outspend yourself? Maybe you know it's all sure. about how much money it costs versus the level of viewership you have. Mm-hmm. And for us as animators by trade, we want to spend all the money possible we can on it until they come back and they say, "Look, you only got a million viewers. I need to take a hundred thousand dollars back every episode." Mm-hmm. They haven't said that to us yet. Um, I just know that one day that conversation will come because animation, unlike live action, how good it looks is all a function of dollar bills spent. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the typical episode now costs us per episode roughly $200,000 more than we were in season one, season Mm -hmm. two. And if you want something to look good, you got to throw cash at it. And other, other things that we do that other animated shows don't do is that for example, in season five, Archer Vice season, it was supposed to look a little more 80s mm-hmm. than their normal ambiguous timeline. So there are very subtle things that I don't even know if anybody picked up, but uh, like Cyril's, gla- oh. Cyril's glasses changed. He, they, we gave him like this turtle shell <laughs> glasses. Uh, Ray Gillette had just slightly longer sideburns. <laughs> These weird things, and, and we cha- try to change outfits and, and stuff, and other animated shows don't do that. Yeah. But you, they don't do it because it, it costs money, and yeah. we're just terrible businessmen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like the other thing, too, is we have this set, the the mm-hmm. spy agency set that we had forever, and then in season five, just like... Throw it away. Yeah. We blow it up in the first season, and that's just like... That costs money. And the art directors are just like, guys, that means <laughs> every time we do a new episode, we're going to have to create entirely new assets. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you're not. And I think the characters, too, are artists over time. Like, hey, I want to try to improve this. I mm-hmm. want to try to improve Cheryl's that. Cheryl's face and, yeah. went through a big overhaul behind the scenes. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But uh, it kind of like, happened. What is that, season three? I think so. We completely redid her face. We just didn't. Well, the, the, you can't, unless you're a, 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 an illustrator, I don't think yeah. you can necessarily tell. The source uh-huh. photo uh, for her, we we take source photos, mm-hmm. and we did that for all the main characters. Was taken at a slight angle, so her, the drawing of her looked like a slight angle upwards yeah. on her on her like three quarter head. Yeah, that'll make the whole thing look weird. Yeah. It did a little. Go back bit. and look at her face. That's was funny. it between two and three? Right, I think so. Between two, it and might three, have been yeah. one and two, or, really? but it's around that era. Yeah. But uh, and then I think you and don't last even season, know her tits got here. <laughs> 
I, I, I walked into the edit room one day and I was like, what the shit is that? <laughs> right, yeah. And I was like, can we scale back her breasts, please? Yeah. <laughs> it's like something you usually don't say to people. Like, right. that's too grew. much breasts. Yeah, yeah. When she was the country music star, that she had this like little tied-up shirt, and it was just, they got out of control. They did. And so we even made fun of, of it in a little DVD sure. extra. We, uh, oh, we had her make a joke about it. Because now... <laughs> In the storyline, Cheryl has no memory that she was a country music star. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <And> Judy's <laughs> laugh like, Ooh, uh, but I think if, yeah. like, even if you looked at The Simpsons mm-hmm. from early That's seasons, true. That's different. They're very different. Yeah, Absolutely. but there's even different eras of what the, mm-hmm. the Simpsons looks like, and I don't even know if it's a conscious choice. Like, this is what it's going to look like, but I think incrementally. The drawings change and become more refined, and mm-hmm. oh, of course, and we can see that happening. Well, too. everyone gets better at their job. Too. Yeah, yeah. And that's just by doing it, you yeah. get better. Um, speaking of, what is your job on this show? Uh, how does how does a show come together? What role do you guys play? I mean, if if Adam is writing ninety percent of the scripts, mm-hmm. um, how do the other writers and producers work? Uh, Adam's the only writer. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, there'll be somebody else who writes a script, and then he writes on top of it, sure. something like that. Like a freelance Right. Freelance but then Casey and I kind of work in concert, depending on, um, I think Casey handles more this season more than any other season. Mm-hmm. Casey's handled the lion's share of all the decisions, which is all the decisions need to run through a central person. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, So what will happen is Adam will write a script, um, Oh, why don't you take it there, Casey? Yeah, and then I, I guess uh, now more than ever, I usually take the role in directing the voiceover, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, approving all the edits and and stuff like that. So basically, a thing—the thing a showrunner would do on a more traditional show. Yeah. Yes, you know, if he's off writing, and then you're doing this production stuff. And Adam was very, very involved in the first three seasons mm-hmm. and then started to let the it reins was, go a little bit. The, the number one time was the first cancer episode. What season yeah. was that? That was the second season. Second season. Yeah. That was the think. that was the mark for us that mm-hmm. s- suddenly we changed our model, which is Adam originally directed all the voiceover, mm-hmm. originally did the edits. Basically. The, the yeah. VO edit. Mm-hmm. And um, that episode, the cancer one, was the first one where we said just let us let us do it because it got to a point where he wasn't able to write sure. the whole, all the shows mm-hmm. and do all this other stuff yeah. and so it changed there and so what happens is he will write it and either uh, in past seasons it's, it's the job is the same which is you break down the script uh, put it to your uh, art direction people the art direction people will send it out to storyboards happen mm-hmm. first um, at the same time, we are um, setting up the voiceover records, directing the actors, right. and while the storyboard artists are going, we're doing a VO edit of uh, the episode. We record all the talent individually, yeah. mm-hmm. and so we put it back together in a really kind of nice rapid-fire edit that we're kind of used to. And then we put those storyboards on top of that VO edit, and um, the storyboard staff is passed along to our uh, illustration director, and he will make all the little bits and pieces and parts, like kind of like putting a car together. You know, they're making this guy's draw on the windshield, this guy's mm-hmm. draw on the, the car door, and then all those parts will come back together to our animation staff, mm-hmm. who will take all the individual drawings, uh, move them around. Each department has three weeks with their wow. particular thing, you know, so once the script is handed to the storyboard department, they have three weeks to storyboard the show because it's scheduled where the day that they're finished is the day that the illustration staff is mm-hmm. supposed to take over. So it needs to, they all need to be working in concert or else it falls apart. Sure. Uh, when one department gets behind, it um, has a big giant ripple effect to go on down the line. You know, storyboards is a week behind. That means illustration can't get started for a week and they got a week of time on their hands without doing anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the way we do that radio play is different than, or the radio edit is different than a lot of cartoons. I think so. Like, I think a lot of times people are reading two picture, mm-hmm. or, you know, there's already a timed out thing yeah. that happens. But um, you guys from the beginning with C Lab and Frisky Dingo both were like, if it's funny with just a radio edit, 
It's going to be yeah. funny when you put picture to it. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot Adam's of... saying it's like it can only get worse. Yeah. <laughs> if there's not a ton of visual gags, I don't think, in Archer. I mean, once in a while there are some. Right. It but looks good, but we don't yeah. necessarily add a lot of comedy yeah. through the animation. Right. Sure, yeah. and it doesn't It doesn't depend on that. And it doesn't Correct, depend on yeah. That. Um, can you talk to me about maintaining the voice and the tone throughout the episode production? In what, in what way? Well, I, Archer's a very specific tone. Uh, especially, I mean, let's talk about seasons one through four. Okay. Right? Um, and putting together the team and working with the team who understands that tone. There's a lot of stuff that we get done as a company mm-hmm. that is just tacit, you know? Um, every person that's in the position of a director or a producer on that show has been with me and Adam for 12 years. Yeah, a long time. And I don't have to tell Casey, hey, why don't you do it like this? Mm-hmm. I think we all know each other so well. So it's not just Adam and myself and now Casey is, is mm-hmm. this, for this season. Were you co-executive last season? Uh, no, the, I think this is the first. This is the first season that Casey's credit is co-executive producer because he's taken a larger role. But besides uh, me, Adam, and Casey, there are seven, eight guys who've been. We've all been. We've all been together for mm-hmm. ten years, yeah. and so we all know what it is that we all want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And underneath that is so that number one way we maintain tone sure. is we just been together for so long, sure. and I don't. I think that we all do each other do a lot of things that. We don't necessarily check with the other one about because it's like, oh, this this is good. And then I think that there's several fail safes too, where if somebody tries to sneak something in, that's like, I don't think that's yeah. really we check in e- our we world. We all check each other because, yeah. like, you um, you one guy will be like, this this would no, and then and you have to sit around and talk about it and make your point. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's been several times where. Something happens, and we're like, this is not the tone of the show. This is not our show. And then maybe four scripts later, Adam will write that thing in, and we're like, well, God you know what? It. Now it's the tone. Now it's to our show. There's a great That's joke. Funny. We debated this joke, and I was just watching the episodes again on the plane over here, and I was so glad that we kept it, because we thought we had a... De- this is an example. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry's back this season, mm-hmm. and we're really excited to have Barry back. And he is talking about setting up a trap for uh, Archer to, you know, ensnare him, Wiley Coyote style, whatever. Uh, and he's like explaining his plan to somebody, and then he then Archer comes in, and then it's kill zone. Yeah. And that was a little wacky. And it just happened in the booth because like, we were like, say it like a uh, Killer Instinct, where the guy's like combo breaker. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we put it in, and I'm like, I think it might be too wacky. We took it mm-hmm. out. It probably went back and forth a couple times. Back and forth times. three or four times, but mm-hmm. when I watched it just now, I was, I was really happy that it was in. So it's we really do funny. have these debates sure. all the time. Mm-hmm. It, all, it sounds like a remarkably healthy creative environment, though. Yeah, well, it is, but it's, it's also what I call, you know, like, big boy baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, is, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times if you have, like, this great idea and you lay it out and then everybody's like that's stupid yeah and it kind of hurts and i think you know <clears throat> we try to not say stupid anymore I, the, <laughs> yeah, the when, first, when we give notes when we give notes to no. i remember this was for a long the first time. season i remember giving a note and i'm like this drawing looks bad hmm. and somebody's like you can't say bad right i'm like to keep this feeling this drawing is uh, unsatisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> Needs improvement. Well, right. but I mean, it's also learning the language of it giving is. notes. It right? is. Like, bad is not very specific. Right. What is bad about it? And it's the difference between going from uh, C-Lab and Frisky Dingo, mm-hmm. where it was eight guys in a house. It was. made it. It to, was the grossest bathroom. Uh, oh, man, that bathroom. <laughs> Can I... You could uh, oh. tell... <laughs> Who went before you? You'd be like, oh, yep, that was a Matt Thompson, a, and he's oh. been drinking whiskey. <laughs> oh. uh, it was really gross. Well, there's one of one of our one oh, of our no. guys who's been with us forever. I'm not going to say his name, but he's been with us forever. So we're seven guys making these shows say, in this in this residential neighborhood in Atlanta. And whenever he would go to the bathroom, he would invariably leave pubes everywhere. 
and, and, and so whenever I would go in the bathroom, I could tell that there was just, it was just kind of like too puby. And I, <laughs> we came up with this character um, who was the irascible police sergeant who was always yelling at his um, uh, no holds barred cop, and he would. All, and so I would just go in there and I'd yell, "McPuber!" <laughs> It's a really mean joke. It's a super mean joke, <laughs> Nick Puber. Uh, it's universal, though. It's pretty it's universal. Um, what I'm curious to hear about the the learning curve on taking on this this bigger, kind of more ambitious show. From like, I mean, I think tonally and obviously in the comedy, it has a lot in common with Frisky Dingo mm-hmm. and C Lab. But it is a it's a different show, mm-hmm. and it, and I mean, it feels like an evolution in a great way. The biggest thing was. Jumping from eight people, I think the first season had 40, 30, 40 people. Yeah, wow. Uh, so that was a huge jump, yeah. and now it's seventy-five. Would you say that on our show? Yeah, yeah. But then we have about a hundred and ten people right now, but we're doing some other things yeah. as well. So not everybody's mm-hmm. on our show all the time. Sure. And then I think the other thing that's is, crazy though, just to think about Casey, you and I sitting yeah. here, we were you know yelling about McPuber mm-hmm. just seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now it's you know. And now it's Crazy. a whole different bathroom. <laughs> now there's four bathrooms. Stall, right. Yeah. Um, but, so, but what did you guys have to learn? I think for Matt and Adam, mm-hmm. what they had to learn is, correct me if I'm wrong, is how to let, let, different, let de- different things go and mm-hmm. delegate those to, to us guys because they it's just too much. And we also jumped from doing 11-minute uh, shows to now 22-minute shows. So right. that was different as well so mm-hmm. I think it's a it's when you run a, 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 see because we not only do we not only do we make a che- television show we own a, a business and we own the animation studio it's our it's it's me and Adam's studio and so we've we kind of came up this way which is we really believe that it's show business and if you can if you can um, run y- your own company you make money on that side as well as making money for getting the television show on. Mm-hmm. So we've always been interested in having the business that goes along with it. Hmm. But that means, you know, when you go from seven people to 120 people, that means HR, that means mm-hmm. uh, health insurance, you know, that means parking cards, you know. And so okay. not only are we worried about what's happening this season on Archer, it's like, okay, um, so-and-so lost their parking card. Right. And, you, and you're do that. But... What has changed is Casey is right. There are people that that make decisions that don't necessarily check with me all the time because they've all been there for so long, mm-hmm. and th- th- it's about trusting people. Mm-hmm. The other thing, as I'll tell you a secret about, Matt and Adam, they both despise meetings. Yes. <laughs> they hate them. And when you grow at such a rate and have all these people and have all these different departments working together meetings become a necessity so it took a while but now yeah i used to if i saw somebody in a meeting i'd come by and start throwing things at them i used to have a joke that matt thompson hates meetings unless it's a meeting to uh, plan out an elaborate prank then (laughs) then we can meet for an hour hour. i'll I'll get all over prank meetings but so do you have to go to meetings now not, I don't. Yeah, you All don't. Now, yeah, I have to do the <laughs> you meetings. Have to go. Yes, yes. He has like a Tuesday morning. We have Tuesday morning meetings to make mm-hmm. sure everybody's on track. And then <laughs> we have to know that if then another, like the illustration department, if they need mm-hmm. to have their meeting too, Matt doesn't come around the corner and go, what's I going on? Can't what's going on? I'm putting my fingers in my ears right now. <laughs> when Casey used to have to have meetings about our Twitter account, I was like, don't you fucking talk to me about your goddamn Twitter meeting. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, yeah. for a long time, he, he would call it uh, R&D, because I was like, I can't call it that. I can't, I can't know what you're doing. I don't want to know about it. So what, are, what are you doing while he's you know running the business? <laughs> uh, business stuff. We have a lot of pilots that are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we have grown as a company, my time is spent more and more in development. Mm-hmm. I still do uh, all the record sessions with Casey, mm-hmm. but I, Casey is more uh, on top of the material. Sure. I still will go and sit with them and approve an edit or approve an animation mm-hmm. pass. But when you're approving an animation pass or an edit, that is usually takes the person that's in charge of it We'll see that mm-hmm. fifteen times, yeah. and whereas I now come in and I only see it twice mm-hmm. or something, yeah. just to make sure it's a different perspective. And yeah, yeah, Matt's still producing, but now he's also, and he always has, but now even more so. You're running the animation studio, yes, and looking for the next projects, and 
making sure everybody so gets paid. How do you? Kind of I'm curious about this. How do you find these projects? I mean, you guys are in Atlanta. Yeah. You are uh, notoriously hard to reach. Yes, <laughs> uh, we hide. But that, I mean, you re- we hide. You we don't have a, we don't have a website. We yeah. don't. It was like I'm I'm good. I don't need anybody to come find but, me usually. But there are people. I mean, especially young creative people who love Archer. Yeah. And who have loved Frisky Dingo and Sea Lab and everything you guys have worked on, and want to know how to work with you. Yeah. So what do they do? Um, good question. We. Uh, we couple things come to mind. Um, one, we kind of made a conscious decision, which is we want to make shows for the, the, that we like. And so for the most part, we're, we're not interested in developing somebody's idea for them, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right now we have two pilots that are both in production with FX. One, uh, Adam wrote with a lovely girl named Megan Gans. Um, and another one I wrote with a guy who's written on a couple of archers named Mike Arnold. Mm-hmm. And so it's... But Megan's like, she's out here. She's a sitcom she person. Yeah. She is. So we how did she even find... Uh, we, uh, interviewed, uh, we interviewed a lot of different different people okay. to, to a take on this thing that we're uh, Okay, so on. it sort of developed internally. And then yeah, we did. We, we, had, we had a first pass at a script, and then um, she was hired on to uh, come in, change it, make it her own, stuff okay. like that. Um, so that's one way, which is we will go out and seek a person based upon their body of work mm-hmm. that we have found. Um, the other way is uh, sometimes our agents or FX will bring us a show and say, make this. And a lot of times on those shows, we don't have as much creative input as we might have on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, for example, we had two shows. Both of them are, are, are now no longer with us. One was called uh, Unsupervised. One was mm-hmm. called Chosen. We just serviced as the animation house. Okay. So we didn't necessarily do content there. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, and that's why I'm so excited about these two other pilots, because we are controlling the content, mm-hmm. and I like that. And as far as like somebody else coming in and working with us, it's a matter of... You talked earlier about tone and how do you control that. I physically can't take on more projects right now because it, we got that. We have another thing that we're we're working on um, the romance, uh, romance with, with Dean Laurie. Dean Laurie. With, we're making something with Dean and some other people. So I, I have partnered. We have partnered with other people, and I just don't have the brain space to sure. take on more at this point. Sure, even at. Even running a company, even yeah. now that you have 120 people, yeah. that's a limited, mm-hmm. you know, that's a limited. It uh, does almost room to some that. to some degree. You know, once you put people in place that you really trust, mm-hmm. a lot of it takes care of itself. You know, I don't lock the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to, but now I'm like somebody's going to lock the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, and uh, if there's artists or uh, animators who are interested, I think several of the other people have Twitter accounts. Like I know mm. our art director Neil Holman, once in a while, puts out, "Hey, we're looking for people. Mm-hmm. Send our submissions to this email address that I wish I could remember now. It's like, like Floyd submissions Floyd that, submissions yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. People can find it. Yeah, <laughs> it's out there. If you if people, there's uh, people on the internet. Yes. Um, what is uh, what is your background for each of you? How did you kind of get to where you are? Uh, I uh, got a job as a production assistant with Cartoon Network in, I don't know, 92 or 93. Mm-hmm. And that's where Adam Reed and I met. Mm-hmm. Was he, uh, he? Was this here in L.A. or was it in? Atlanta, Atlanta? Georgia. It was in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. Uh, we, all the Turner stuff is out. All the Turner, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so we met, actually, like at Cartoon Network, but we were working in the on-air promotions department. You know, like, oh, coming up next, the Smurfs. <laughs> yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> um, and so we that was, uh, that's your work you're gonna love it they're gonna love very it very good you're gonna love it <laughs> attention leather sofa buyers <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did a commercial like in the early 90s for attention leather sofa buyers it was it was pretty fucking great yeah, um, and didn't you say to the guy you're like are you sure you want to say attention leather sofa? he's like that's the copy read yeah. it God. it's pretty great <laughs> okay right. here we go uh, so it's not that I always wanted to make cartoons it's just for whatever reason I was trying desperately hard to get into television and and what did you want to do in television I at at the time I really wanted to write for David Letterman okay I I thought David Letterman was it and I just really how do I get there Mm -hmm. and um, you know you could move to New York or you could move to LA but I knew that Turner was in Atlanta and you're not competing against 
200,000 people yeah. to be a PA. And it's like you can like walk in the door and like say, "Hey guys, can I be a PA?" And they're like, "Thanks for coming. Here's a lunchbox, you know." And, and that's it, Ted Turner. Who was <laughs> we it, was, it was it was totally like that. Like it wasn't the world's most difficult place at the time, sure. 20 years ago, to get a job. And I'm really thankful that I I did that. It's because also that taught me how all the machines work. It mm-hmm. taught me how you know how to edit, how to yeah. do all those things, how to get like actual sellable skills. Yes, I wanted to write for David Letterman, but I could also be the guy who ran his tape room and then try and give him my jokes. At least that was my theory. And then I kind of stumbled into uh, cartoons, and what I found out about making uh, cartoons is you have the ultimate form of control. Um, You can't get, in a live action thing, you can't go back and necessarily change a scene. You know, once you shoot it, you shoot it. But if something in cartoon land isn't working, you know, you'll just fuck it. You're like, that's gone. Let me grab some VO. Remember, he read that thing this way in season three. You go grab a piece of VO. (laughs) And you kind of, the editor becomes almost part of the writing staff. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that anywhere else. And so I kind of stuck with cartoons just for, I I mean, just for the straight up control of it. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the breakthrough for you? What was the stuff? When did you and Adam start working together? And then what was the stuff that kind of um, we in in ninety um, five uh, we did a, a morning show for Cartoon Network, a live action show <clears throat> with Carrot Top, and mm-hmm. it was a straight up fucking rip off of Pee Wee Herman. I mean, it was just like I was like pissing on Pee Wee Herman right there. But um, sorry, that was weird. Uh, <laughs> but it was straight up Pee Wee Herman rip off, and we hated it. Uh, we specifically hated Caretop's manager. We thought he was a total dick bag, and um, Caretop was fine. You know, he was just doing his bit, and he was you know pretty popular '95. Mm-hmm. And um, but we just had these meetings with his manager and. It just was like, ugh. And so we turn that season one of that show in, and we say, hey, we got this show called C-Lab. We've taken, we, you know, we knew the library hmm. at Turner World of because sure, we were both production assistants at one point. And we were actually in charge of the library at one point or another. And so we said, we have this show we want to do. This, it, we took this show, C-Lab 2020, we're calling it C-Lab 2021, and we did What's Up, Tiger Lily on top of an old cartoon. And it was awful. It was terrible. And we are, you know, 20 years old, and we're like, this is genius. You need to put this on the air right now. And the guy who would later come to create Adult Swim, Mike Lazo, just sat us down and was like, guys, I got to tell you, this is not very good. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to need you to do another season of that Carrot Top show. And I think... I've never seen Adam Reed move so quickly. He just got up and was like, well, I quit. <laughs> and he got up and left. And he's like, and I was like, uh, uh, wait, let's, well, we can talk. We can talk. And it took me, I think, about another two days. Like, all right, he quits, I quit. And, and so we quit and moved to New York without a job and started, you know, kind of hustling, trying to get TV, hustling. Like, yeah, you were like having a, gay sex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, hustling, just getting you know, random television producing mm-hmm. writing gigs until um, years later when we were, uh, I was working for Showtime and um, I went on a trip to Vancouver to be <laughs> with uh, Stargate. So I did a lot of work with like EPKs of Stargate, like so you were uh, like, behind the scenes of Stargate. With, you were producing these yeah, marketing things. Yeah, yeah, marketing things for, for Showtime. So I went up to see the folks uh, up at Stargate, and while I was there, my boss uh, came with me. Nice nice lady named Cindy. And um, we decided to go over to Mount Whistler and uh, do some snowmobiling, but she was kind of trepidatious. She's like, can you drive? I don't want to do it. I was like, okay, I'll drive. And so we're coming around a corner, and I just lost it. And I just, it, it was bad. She broke both her legs. Um, I, I remember at one point, this is, this is when we, her and I laughed about this finally, you know, years later, which is like the snowmobile type, you know, crash. She breaks both her legs. I'm kind of dazed and I get up and I'm trying to talk to her and help her. And she's like, uh, and I didn't realize that my, 
my junk was just in her face because my pants had been blown off. Oh my, my pants but they had been totally ripped and so I'm like standing over her trying to help her and it's just like my junk just waving in her face. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Pretty, pretty bad. Um, anyways, broke both her legs. She's my boss. Uh, she's how we get all of our money. We're doing this stuff for Showtime oh and suddenly it's like yeah, guys, I don't hate you. I understand it was an accident, but we can no longer work together. <laughs> also, she's in New York living in a five-story walk-up. She's in a wheelchair. Oh, she had to move. Lord. Poor woman. Poor woman. Um, anyways, so we uh, got let go or asked not to come back at Showtime. And then we're like, well, what are we going to do? Well, we dusted off that old C-Lab thing that we handed in. and But this time, by now, we had like three or four years of knocking around different networks and we learned how to tell stories a little bit better mm-hmm. and so we turned that original C-Lab piece of junk pilot into pretty something pretty decent and we had no idea that when we sent it back to Lazo who we hadn't spoken to in a couple of years that he was forming Adult Swim and so uh, it was just good timing yeah. you're like hey what do you think about this and he's like well, that's better. Let's put that on the air. I'm making this thing called Adult Swim. I think you should be on it. And we're like, okay, great. So what, for you guys, I want to dig a little deeper onto, into what was different about that new version that he responded to. You know, the number one thing that changed for us, and I see it especially more in younger people and in younger, like if you haven't had experience of telling a story, mm-hmm. is... A lot of people get sidetracked by uh, the aside, the joke, the, the thing, and you don't realize it's not funny. Mm-hmm. It's just a joke on a joke on a joke, and it's just for you. <laughs> and I think the number one thing that we did is, like, if you go back and you watch that original pilot, there was no cohesiveness because all we were doing was saying a joke on a joke on a joke. And then it became more about, okay, anybody can... Do riff a, on a riff on, on, do a riff. Okay, I get it. Yeah. You have to love that character. And mm. so we came at it differently from we so the first pilot that they said go away for was we told um a bunch of jokes. And by the time we turned it back in, we told a story about this crazy captain. Mm. And you got to know the characters and, and you know and, and we say that the best jokes are the ones that are like is so to character. So you can make a joke and say, I don't know what a joke, knock, knock, who's there, whatever. <laughs> but um, it's the, it does the joke service the character sure. and tell you something about it. And that's what we learned. That's really quit with the Quit the, with the asides yeah. and just making jokes. And why is it funny mm-hmm. that that character says it? Mm-hmm. That's That's... And I feel like that is so on the screen on Archer. Yeah. That, like... All of the comedy comes from these really well-drawn characters. Um, Casey, where? How did you get involved with these guys? What is your background? I, when I was in high school, I liked cartoons and stuff, and I was like, "This would be great." But at that time, I don't think there was opportunities except like working for Disney, and I was like, "I don't want to do that." I went to art school to be an illustrator, and then. I didn't want to do that either. So I started studying fine art drawing. And there I met uh, Christian Danley, who now works for us as an editor. (laughs) And um, I was doing all kinds of other stuff. And then Christian started telling me. And Christian worked at a a theater called Dad's Garage in Atlanta. It's an awesome improv house. Improv theater. And they also do uh, scripted shows as well. Both Amber Nash, who plays Pam, and Lucky Yates, who plays Krieger, are both improvers at Dad's Garage. Yeah, they're both from there. And so uh, you guys went to see a show there because you were working with MC Chris. And MC Chris said, hey, there's this guy. So you guys went to Dad's Garage and met Christian. And Christian also said, hey, here's my sketchbook. Yeah. And so he started working with you, and then uh, I was out of the country, and, and Christian said, uh, hey, when you get back, maybe I can see if you you can intern for these guys. So it took a little while, but eventually I started interning. And I was a non-traditional intern. I yeah. was 28, I think, uh-huh. at the time, <laughs> and uh, working for no money and going in. Did I not pay you? Not at the beginning. Oh, okay. <laughs> going Sorry, in, about. Sorry about that. No, no. Going in uh, twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then it became more times a week, and then started to get paid, and then eventually. And what kind of stuff were you doing early on, and how were you kind of learning? The cool thing is, uh, an intern on C Lab 
worked on the show. Like you, it yeah. wasn't you're going to get coffee. You're drawing elements that are going to be on the show because. There's only there was four only, or five of us. There was, right. Yeah, it was even smaller back then. So every hand needed to be used. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was just, uh, you know, I didn't know. I had to learn Photoshop by myself, and sure. also how to draw on a tablet. We used tablets at that time. Mm-hmm. Now on Archer, it's all Cintiqs, and you're drawing right mm-hmm. on the screen. It's but, all pretty and nice yeah. and <laughs> shiny. Yeah, but then, but it was then it was, was like difficult. a bunch of tandies. Yeah. <laughs> so I eventually got hired on full time. And so I was an artist on uh, C-Lab and Frisky Dingo, and then just started taking on other jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a small recording booth that these guys built in the house that we made Frisky Dingo in. And so... We called it the fart locker. It stunk. (laughs) It was gross. This house seems horrible. (laughs) It's not not unlike this room that we're in right now. Which is horrible. (laughs) But... I started running the, uh, the Pro Tools, the Pro Tools rig. rig, and then once in a while I'd make a suggestion about a line, <laughs> and that Adam really liked that. And so uh, when uh, Archer started up, Adam's like, why don't you start doing some production stuff with us? So hmm. I started doing that, and that's how I got into this yeah. role. I consider it akin to um, a, a battlefield Promotion where you holster your totally. weapon and you yeah. no longer use your drawing weapon. Yeah, right. You use other tools, but it's really nice for the people that are in positions of direction and producing for us. Every one of them can do mm-hmm. somebody else's job just as well as not better than them. Mm-hmm. Casey, if he had to, could be a part of the illustration team. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing goes for the rest of our producers. They, mm-hmm. if they had to, could go over like. Mm-hmm. Uh, be background, a background guy, so, yeah. be an animation guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a. We want our people that are running things to command that thing of like, oh, he knows what he's talking about instead of just putting sure. somebody there. It yeah, really helps your yeah. critical eye too oh, when, when you're looking at these drawings and you're like, I know this is wrong, mm-hmm. or and this is why, or something and I've like done this. Yeah, yeah. And for even Matt, who will a lot of times you know, say this to me, he's like, well, I don't. I don't see what you're seeing. Hmm. I'm like this. This tangent is wrong here, and the perspective is off. And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> I believe you." <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, there's something to. There has to be something to, and and you can probably speak to this, Matt. Um, like, it's not just longevity that you guys brought Casey into the fold when you moved on to Archer. You know, there has to be a like-mindedness among there is. him and, there, yeah. and everyone you've been with there all is. this time. Yep. Uh, what, how would you define that? It's about knowing what the other person wants. And I think it's just we've been together so long that we, like I said, we don't have to talk about mm-hmm. it. And we also have gotten to the place where we appreciate each other's opinions. Mm-hmm. For example, we will a lot of times read a, a spec script or a something script, and we have an unwritten rule now, which is, we don't allow each other to talk to each other about it until yeah. the other one is finished because we try not to influence each other. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to keep your opinions from infecting other people. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of times we purposely will not give feedback until the other person has read it as well so we can be a little more honest with each other. Yeah, I try to even, <laughs> when I ask Matt about, hey, have you read that spec, spec script? And he's like, no. I'm like, mm. I try not to do you that anymore because that, that's even <laughs> you just have to turn away completely. But I think when it was such a small group of people, it was also just for you guys. Can we get along with this person for sure us? Is a, this is a, a good small story. Uh, one of our producers, he's actually this season doing a lot of work on Archer. Uh, one a producer, his name is Eric Sims, and um, he's been with me probably a little uh, bit, like ten years. Yeah, eight to ten. A newbie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Eric, like you said, you know people want to find us and stuff, and we try not to let people find us. And um, Eric found us. He's like he really liked. Uh, just imagine him showing up at the house. And no, that's is how it happened. He really liked us, and he was like, hey, I would like to, over the internet, and like come mm-hmm. intern for you. And uh, he's he was living in Ohio, mm-hmm. and I told him, I, I he says he'll never, he reminded me of this years later. He's like, I'll never forget what you said to me. It's like, you can come down here, 
and I'll put you to work for two weeks. But if you're a fucking weirdo, I'm gonna fire you. And <laughs> what is? Do you remember? Oh, I don't know. I something like, if you're a fucking creep, you're gonna be. You're you're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and that was. And then he packed his bags, moved yeah. down, and now he's one of our producers. When uh, he started working for us. Matt Thompson told him that he was too pretty and he needed, needed to get scars. into a he needed to get into a knife, <laughs> knife fight, fight. <laughs> so he could get some scars on his face. Oh <laughs> uh, it was pretty great. But he did move down. Uh also I it was probably the first week that Eric I it was still was it it was still C Lab. Yeah. So Eric came down, uh at this time we had moved it was before the house. We were at uh, Adult Swim, yeah, they, we we stayed in Adult Swim for about in this little seven eight months cave that had no windows, and apparently used to be like a Ro- Russian boxing federation. Yeah, so they would we'd constantly get calls, be like, "Yeah, boxing matches on," and we're like, "We we don't know." <laughs> so Eric moves down. He's there for a week. We have a meeting. And it kind of slips out that C Lab's getting canceled. <laughs> so oh, it just moved. It basically became Eric's fault that uh, C Lab got <laughs> yeah, canceled. So it was a joke. I remember it slipped out at like a at marketing a, meeting, a DVD, DVD production extra. meeting. So okay, so we're working on these DVD extras. Like, oh great, this is a great way to wrap the to bookend to bookend the, book the, book the series. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, to bookend the series because this is your final season. It is? Nobody knew. <laughs> Somebody wow. in marketing. I don't even remember who it was. I do. Oh, for God. <laughs> he was the guy who played dodgeball with us that time. Right. He was like super jockey and bro Yeah. yeah. Oh, what was his bro. name? I don't know. Uh, was his... That's why the very first episode of Frisky Dingo, you have them talking about, you can't have animated menus. Because that yes. was from the same meeting. That was from, <laughs> that was from the same meeting. Because you guys made a little DVD of mm-hmm. C-Lab just to, internally. And or I think Christian might have been involved in it, too. Made animated menus. Hmm. And they were like, well, what about animated menus? And the guy's like, no, nope, can't have it. Can't have animated menus. Like, why? <laughs> we made so, it. There's no, mo- there's no money for it. We just did it. <laughs> it, like, literally took us five seconds. Oh, yeah. my God. Can't have animated menus. What but now who cares? DVD, right? We, sure. we don't even have any... We have, like, zero input on it. Really, how it looks or anything. Yeah, really? Um, we give extras content, but yeah. that's about it. That's about it. But it's cool because they do a pretty good job. They do? Yeah. Uh, what is your relationship like with... What, what was it like with Adult Swim uh, and Cartoon, and what is it like with FX? Adult Swim was great, you know? Um, we... They, they gave us every opportunity... And they gave us a lot of free range. Um, Mike Lasso runs Adult Swim, and it's just like his thing, and it's like it's almost like a pirate ship. You know, they're just they don't play by the rules that other networks play by. Like as far as like you know how they do things, it's really just like what does Mike want? Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to I think like other you know Comedy Central or or, or, where, or wherever. There's like. Executives in place and do this and do that and do this and Mike's just These like are tested and yeah. yeah he's and you come to find out that he's very I think of him very much as loving Dadaism you know <laughs> and it's just like strange and he finds love in the strange mm-hmm. and so it was a it was great place to kind of grow up in our comedy world but the one thing that was always asked was like can you fuck it up a little bit more, you know? Like, yeah. why, whoa, we have to do very, besides, again, the cyborg stuff, very based in reality. <laughs> and so it was, it was a great place, especially when you're getting going, you're trying to figure out what your voice is. Mm-hmm. But then I think we aged out of it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and, and what is the relationship with FX, and how did you guys wind up at FX, anyway? Uh, when, and I apologize if this no, is cool. well trod. Uh, no, uh, it was uh, it's Adam's show. He created it. He was walking around town pitching it, you know, all the different places. And um, actually, it was between uh, Comedy Central and FX. And they both had hmm. uh, offers on it. And um, in the end, it was uh, our agents at uh, UTA that 
um, were like trying to lay it out for us, and we believed that at the time that we were going to receive more network support from FX than from Comedy mm-hmm. Central. I um, and I, I think it, it bore out. FX really tried to grow the show, you know, and every season it got it got more and more because I don't think that FX has a I don't know. I don't. I'm not out here in LA, and I don't understand. I don't actually even know how show business works. Really, I'm just a dude in Atlanta, right? Perfect. Um, but for my the way that I think of it in my brain, I don't see FX as a, a network that shoots a ton of pilots every year mm-hmm. and throws a bunch of new content on the year. I think that they're selective. I uh, trust me. I know because we have pilots with them, and it's like ugh, it's <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Uh, it is. Sure. It is. But they are honing their brand, and it's and not like what they're saying is wrong no, or it's bad. Not. It's like yeah. really good it's advice, good feedback. Good feedbacks. And but they it's pushing you. Yeah, I Am I wrong? Do you, what do you think? No, I think that's accurate. I mean, especially compared to broadcast networks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but even like you say, Comedy Central. I think they don't push the way that FX does. Yeah, I FX do think about three AMC years ago. I don't know what happened over there, but about three years ago, I think they started. They got some great shows now. Oh, they do absolutely. Yeah. I love Broad, Broad City. City. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah, Keep Nathan Free Schumer is really good. Amy Schumer's show's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so is that is that how the relationship is now? You know, as you guys, it's different. Are, have been it with depends them for a while. on the it depends on the project, which is Archer. They still give notes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 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 not a ton. What kind of notes do you get? Um, at the script stage, it, it's almost always the same thing. Now, when I say about Lazo, it was like fuck it up. <laughs> right. And FX's message is, I need to feel the emotion of that character. I we so rarely ever get a note that is like, we need some more jokes in here. Right. Correct. Yeah. This needs to be funnier. This needs that. They all are always. It's about digging out somebody's emotional story, or Background, I'm not getting this yeah. here. But still, the, and uh, then he's like, you know, I want to go back. I want to go back to how it was, hmm. and it was just a matter of no. This is what's right. This show is a show about a spy who's a jerk, and he's also kind of a good guy. And we're going on dangerous missions. We're shooting people, mm-hmm. and he he realized that he missed it, hmm. and he wanted to see these people do what they were designed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's great about the show too is that it's not as if time hasn't passed they are yeah. they're the same characters but they're different characters they are I mean the difference between some of them is, is really vast uh, for me and you know and then just seeing what what they get into and knowing for example this season <clears throat> they have a baby and this is not this is not a show about people that have a baby right uh, it's like everybody loves Raymond, where it wasn't about the kids. You know, they had kids, but they would, t- but it influenced what they talked about. Oh, the kids did this, the kids did that, and the same thing applies here, which is we have a baby, and that's what has changed and what it means. And it influences story along the lines of what happens if somebody threatens a baby. Mm-hmm. What, what, what does Archer do? What happens if you have to? You know, go be a spy and leave your baby at home with your crazy Mallory. Mm-hmm. What does that do? So it's not a story about the baby, but it's about what happens to Archer and Lana, their relationship. Um, you know, he has a baby with this woman, and mm-hmm. how are they going to guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a show right here. At this right. Thing. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, what episode is that? Like seven or eight somewhere in there. Mm. He's great. He's a he's a <laughs> he's a Pakistani spy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yes. about right. He may actually be. Yeah. It's um, good. Is there anything else you guys can tell us about this current season? The one of the things I'm most excited to see. What, Give me a scoop. What the, what Come the on. Internet, I, this, is, this is a good one. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'm most excited to see season, and I'm really excited to see what the internets have to say about it. I was sitting in my office and I have a glass door, and I can see the animation staff is mm-hmm. directly outside my door. And I was watching this, and I was like, "Holy shit! Well, let me go see what they're doing." And it was watching the animator animate. Um, Lana getting laid, and um, it's graphic, and I can't remember. There was a conversation about like some Lana was on top of I think it was Lana on top of mm-hmm. Archer or something, and we couldn't have her. This is technical, excuse me. <laughs> we couldn't have her 
uh, do too many thrusts. It was like, you can do one sure. pump, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> one pump, and no more. So she kind of just had to sit there yeah. on his dick or whatever, right? Yeah. And so now, season six, and they're like, right, and thank Kate for Lana to get laid. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. We know that they're going to come at us with this. Okay, two pumps. Two pumps, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And so what we decided to do is like, let's really... Have her get laid here, mm-hmm. and knowing that the censors, well, then, we'll, then we can, you know, we'll dial it we'll back. Dial, we'll it's dial easier back. to dial it back. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to, you know, say this is, oh, okay, we'll compromise with you and we'll, right. we'll do this. But they accepted it. They yeah. couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. To either. now, it's almost to the point where I was like, I think maybe we need to dial it back. <laughs> <laughs> I was she's, counting on that. I, I remember we were talking about her facial expression. Her, uh, yeah, she's like oh bugging God. out, and we're like, okay, we can't. We, take we also in a, had an in-joke in the studio that the guy who animated that scene, we're like, well, now we know exactly how you fuck. Like, <laughs> that's your stroke. That no is frame it. of reference. Yeah. He's in a mirror, like, just <laughs> loving himself. <laughs> Good <laughs> Lord. Well, episode nine, weirdo. <laughs> perverts. Enjoy it. Yeah. Speaking um, of perverts, yes. uh, there's been, in the past, like, week, just a couple of Archer porn stuff. That's yeah. Like, what? Wood Rocket has Wood Rocket one. has but a, that's just a that's just a, a pictorial porn. Who watches series porn? I gotta tell you, I've seen the okay. First, of all, <laughs> it's hardcore pornography. You know, it's this really is really hardcore. Really hardcore. Um, so you know, click at your own risk. But they're doing they're doing our they're show. Doing I watched the trailer the for the second episode, Jesus. and in it, the serial character is screwing a prostitute while Archer's like you know there, and then she touches the edge of a pen. Oh my it's God. It's crazy, and then you just you know, then it's just like, yeah, then it's just nasty. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's like that form of flattering. Wow, I guess you've <laughs> made it to a, a high high level of popularity <laughs> that you can now be porn right. parody. If people are going to get that right. parody, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're out there. That's insane. it's live action too. It's not it's not a cartoon. Yeah, it's not no, a cartoon. It's just straight up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. that's oh, horrible. Man. Um, so but now it, we're pitching for it because we're yeah, like we're like <laughs> laughing like ah oh, look at this and then you look at the trailer you're like this is funny and then they'll clip in the but then it's like balls part. in the mouth yeah and you're ah. like oh no <laughs> I can't show this to my sister <laughs> <laughs> oh good lord uh, so besides that uh, are you guys watching things on television is there stuff you're is back uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the end of this month love that show yeah uh, I, we just were talking to. Matthew last night, Matthew Reese, the mm-hmm. star of the Americans. And um, quick, you have time for a quick funny story? I'm all okay. the time in the world. This is a good story. This is about season six. This is about season six, too. Um, and I, honestly, I love the Americans. I, I'm crazy. I'm crazy about that show. And again, it just shows you that, like, I, you see the joke coming so much. Mm-hmm. So I tend to watch football or drama. And um, so, anyways, we're going to the Super Speaking of football, we're on the way to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we're on the uh, FX Fox bus with a bunch of people. And we had to wait um, for Rupert Murdoch's bus to come so we could have our police escort and go. So there's probably oh 20 people on this bus. Yeah. Different talent on FX. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the a lot guys, of the league. By a lot of the people from the league. Sure. And we're sitting there. And then Matthew um, kind of just, he's a very gregarious, jovial guy. And he's just... Charming as all all day long, and he so he just kind of regaled everybody with the story, <laughs> and he started telling us a story about in the 1970s there was this um, the Free Wales Army, were a group of Welsh separatists, and he's from Wales, mm-hmm. and so imagine you know this being told in a great Welsh accent, and he's telling us the story of these Welsh separatists who uh, tried to blow up different things uh, around England to you know say get out of Wales mm-hmm. England anyways they were bumbling guys and they what they did was they ended up just blowing themselves up like twice and in there that if you watch the Americans uh, hopefully you're going to love it Cause, so he's playing a Welsh separatist or whatever and he's talking in his normal accent which is you know Wales and uh, it's, so something happens and uh, somebody from MI5 comes to the door looking for him and he has to pretend to be a uh, an American. Awesome. And so um, he puts on, he, he gets, you know, if you watch the Americans, he puts on a stupid wig nice. and some glasses <laughs> and he does an American accent Mark. and Archer's like, no one is going to believe that. That is fucking terrible. <laughs> and that's us that just kind of joking around with Matthew that like every episode of that show, <laughs> he puts on a different stupid wig and glasses and he's out there and he doesn't even, and, and so he's great. also speaking with an American accent yeah. all the time. That's and really it 
it's uh, actually the credits for the episode read uh, written by Adam Reed after a rousing tale by Matthew Reed. <laughs> which is fun. That's fantastic. Awesome. It sounds like you guys have a great season coming up. It's like, I hope so. Fun stuff. The one thing, you know, I never can tell if people are going to say, oh, I love that season or I didn't love that season. But the one thing that you can't argue with us about, it looks better than ever. It yeah, is that's great. gorgeous. Cool. It's really I, it sounds like I'm being self-congratulatory when I say that, but I'm not pushing those buttons, and I just love it when I go out and see what those yeah. guys have done, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I need to give you some more money. But then I get think better, and I decide not to <laughs> keep all the You're money. like, well, when another pilot comes through, you guys will get money. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. I really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Of course. Lovely. Oh, we I enjoyed it. it. We did it. And I felt like I was back in our old VO room. Yep. Oh, this is horrible. Nah, the is old it warm VO enough room for was... You? Was probably yeah, it's half the size. Oh god, not even. I'd yeah, say it was right. a quarter of the size. So you recorded people one at a time by necessity. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Except for Mr. Ford, who I had to go in the booth with him because he wasn't great at reading. Oh jeez. And yeah, and he, he he wasn't a good actor. I mean, not you know, because he wasn't because he's not an actor. Yeah. He's just a guy who lived across the street from us. So we would give the line to Matt, and then Matt would give it to Mr. Ford. Mr. Ford would pair it uh-huh. with Matt. <laughs> yeah, he was just our next door neighbor. He mowed our lawn. <laughs> he's great he's awesome Ridiculous. and then he would go on and be in the booth and just telling us this awesome story about like oh and then I got in a car crash and I was on the railroad tracks and I, I didn't know if my wife made it out and all this stuff and we'd be like great oh tell yeah. us that story again <laughs> while we're recording <laughs> what story the story you just told about the oh, oh yeah was, I got in a car crash and then all the magic's going. You're like, go. <laughs> we had we we pride him with with with. Nah, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't say that. Yeah, no. I love it. he's actually Mr. Ford is in an episode this season. Yep, <laughs> he's in. Jesus. What what is that? What is that? One where Katya's back. Six ten. Six ten. Six ten. I don't know if, if anybody knows our show Frisky Dingo. There's a character on there named Mr. Ford, mm-hmm. and um, he has kind of creeped into. Uh, our Archer world just cause, sure. because we love it. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Pretty cool. Nice. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.